It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman with the TD. The steal by Connor McDavid. Ninety-nine points. Looking to make it a hundred. Over the line. Dish us off. Back for score. There it is. That's a hundred points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Welcome the Hamilton Tiger Cats finally win a game. Friday night doubleheader in the CFL. The Tabbies leading Ottawa 7-6 late in the first quarter. Later on tonight, another big game in the West Division. Calgary taking on BC. The bad news for the Eskimos is one of those teams will make up ground on them tonight. The good news is that one of those teams won't make up ground on the Eskimos, who suffered their first loss of the season. Last night in Winnipeg. Riley pumps once, then goes for Getzlaff. That one's intercepted right in front of Getzlaff, and the Blue Bombers have it. Nichols drops again, going to the end zone on this one for Adams. Touchdown, Winnipeg. Darvin Adams inside of Johnny Adams, and the Bombers have a touchdown, and they're going to take a pretty commanding lead to the second half. Riley will turn, go play action, then look deep. He's going to the end zone for Stafford, and it is touchdown, Eskimos. Kenny Stafford does what he does best. He goes deep and hauls it in for six from the 33 this time. Riley's in the shotgun. He'll quickly roll to the right side, looking downfield, and then throws. It is up in the air to the goal line. Bounces. What a catch! What a catch by Duke Williams in double coverage again. He tips it into the air, falls down, and it lands in his arms. Touchdown for the Eskimos. That may be Duke Williams' best ever. Mike Riley still wants to do some work as he gets it off to Corey Watson. He'll get a first down. Springs himself. Watson down the sidelines. Still on his feet inside. Inside the 20, the 15, the 10. Watson hauled down at the three-yard line. Great run, catch and run play. Corey Watson takes it inside the five, and the Eskimos are still giving it everything they got. Ball is up in the air, and Darvin Adams goes up and gets it and brings it down. There was no Eskimos anywhere near where the ball came down. Neil O'Neill put it in the wrong spot. The Eskimos lose a regular season football game for the first time since October 22nd of last Last season when they lost in Vancouver. They dropped this one in Winnipeg to the Blue Bombers, 33-26. Eskimos now 7-1. And, and the Blue Bombers are 6-2. and two. The West Division, very, very good. Even Saskatchewan hanging around at 3-4. and four. They're on a bye week and will visit the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium one week from tonight. That's always fun when the riders come to town. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 6.09. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad, this portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. 
poor first first half by the Eskimos. They fought back but uh, could not get over the hill as the Bombers just kept racking up offense. Uh, you know, the Eskimos, 444 yards of offense, and they lose. The Bombers had 560. And we welcome to the show former Eskimo, now our analyst for our broadcast here on Chet. It's Blake Dermott. Blake, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Just a quick recap of the game last night. And I got to say, Blake, before we get into the detail, because it's amazing how many people have said to me today or, or looking at stuff on social media, whether you are an Eskimos Bombers fan or, or just someone watching the game, amazing how many people have just said to me, what an entertaining game, because there were a lot of big plays and clutch plays in that game. Yeah, and I I, I said that at the end of the game, you know, with you got a 1,000 uh, yards of offense between the two teams. You don't see that very often. And even though the CFL is a gunslinger type of a leaguer can be, still to have a thousand yards of offense between two teams and uh, and literally it was a three point game if uh, the Eskimos don't miss a field goal and a convert. So like it was in spite of how I guess ineffective how how little the Eskimos did uh, in the first half. They found ways to get back into the game, and, and there was a period I was just sitting there, you know, watching the game, going, "Just get a stop, defense." But when you when you look at how how decimated that defense is, uh, it's you know it's amazing that they were even in the game, being that close. And and you know, and, and Morley and Dave said at the end of that first half, that's the worst half of football the Eskimos have probably played in in, in a long time. And uh, and even having done that, they were still in that game. Well, you know, a lot to talk about from last night. They they didn't get a lot of pressure on Matt Nichols, and, and I mean, he knows where where the ball has to go. He's he you know he's done well as a bomber, and and actually, Blake, there was a play on that first drive where Nichols scrambled and, and got pretty good yardage and got a first down, and the fans are going crazy. But I thought to myself, you know what? That's fine if they turn Matt Nichols in into a runner. Then, then maybe the Eskimos are going to have a good night, but but they just they just couldn't do that. And I, and I want you to address some of the tackling because that's the that's the one thing any fan, whether you've watched thousands of football games or whether that was the first or second game you've ever watched, you could be like, why aren't the guys in? Why are they missing so many players? Why are they gang tackling and not bringing a guy down? What 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 happens? What did you see from uh, the Eskimos tackling problems last night? Well, first of all, I thought they they their tackling was woeful. Uh, I thought that the, that there there must have been a book on Harris that he puts the ball on the turf. You can grab the ball from him because it didn't seem like there was there were so many opportunities to get him down where everybody was just clawing at the ball instead of just getting him onto the ground. And there was a number of, well the, the one time that he did actually put the ball on the ground he he was had contact made it about four yards and they finally pulled the ball out after he gained eleven. You know, so it was it was a, just a series of uh, uh, you know. Uh, Poor tackling, poor technique by the defense. I don't know if that you know is relatable to the fact where you got so many guys out, and it might be you have so many guys out that you you start to instead of worrying about your job, you're worried about what the other guy's going to do, and you start to your technique starts to wane. You start to make mistakes. Like how about uncharacteristic mistakes like four uh, too many men on the field penalties last night, just because. There were so many substitutions. Guys didn't know who were in, who was out, because because you you know you got a you got a Canadian rookie playing uh, playing corner in the fourth quarter. You got uh, just so many. How about this? Um, Armando Sewell out of the game, and they run the, they run all over the Eskimos. Uh, how important is Armando to that team? You know, you've got 
you've got an issue where where they weren't getting the pressure. The, the, the defensive ends were getting upfield, but there was no push internally, or not, at least not enough push. And that's what you hope to do. You want to get pressure to contain the quarterback so that you drive him into the guys coming up in the middle. And they just didn't seem to have that last night. And uh, so from, from a, a defensive standpoint, by far, by far the worst game that those guys have played in a couple of years. Yeah, well, and you mentioned Sewell, and you don't want to use injuries as an excuse, but they but they do have an impact, and we want to let people know why. And, and you gave a good explanation of how Sewell can disrupt plays. And I know receivers have gotten hurt, but you know a lot of times having an excellent quarterback still makes the receivers look good, and I think that's what's helped with Riley. they got depth on the O-line. Uh, the linebacker depth has been tested, but it, but it's still been a pretty solid position. But yeah, of all the injuries, you know, if you just look at them individually, Sewell may be the most significant one that the Eskimos have suffered. Blake Dermott, Eskimos analyst, joining us in Inside Sports. Eskimos falling last night, 33-26 to uh, Winnipeg. I mentioned the total yards in the game. Uh, Andrew Harris, by the way, 19 touches for 225 yards. Uh, let me throw this one to you, Blake, before I go back to some details of the game. Is he the best running back in the league? Because a lot of people, you know, hand that to Jerome Messam. My argument would be, I don't think Messam is as good a receiver, and I don't as good as Messam is, I don't think he's quite as consistent as Harris because he can be prone to the odd kind of a brain fart of a game. Harris doesn't seem to have that in him. That I think that's a real difficult thing to a uh, question to answer. Let's put it this way: uh, there may be better running backs out there on other teams, but. No other team in the league utilizes their running back like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers do. Mm-hmm. Like he is a significant part of their passing offense. Uh, when you when you talked about why Nichols, you know, he, he didn't have any pressure on him. Nichols gets rid of the ball so quickly, and uh, and he gets rid of the ball quickly because he utilizes his running back. And uh, Harris is he's so effective when he gets the ball at a three yard catch or a four yard catch, and then is in space it turns it into considerable yak yards. You know, and, and, and they utilize him as a running back, you know, no more than other teams utilize him, but, but he's that athlete that can do two things. And, and I think that uh, there may be other teams, like I said, you know, I'm watching Ottawa with Powell, and there's other teams that have guys that can run the ball, but they don't necessarily utilize him because of the, the receiver package that Ottawa has and the guys that they have out there. But, you know, so is he the best running back in the league? I don't know. Is he utilized the best? Yes. That's a good way to put it, yeah. 6.15. By the way, Hamilton leading Ottawa 10-6 now, about a minute and a half into the second quarter, and a long pass there attempted by Ottawa, almost intercepted by uh, Hamilton, but uh, Leonard, the defensive back, couldn't hang on to it. Blake, uh, you know, when when you when a team loses a game, uh, you know, fans and media guys like us tend to focus on little details. There was that situation late in the... First half, uh, 52 seconds left. Edmonton got the ball on its own 18, down 10-3. They tried two passes, the second of which was intercepted. And, you know, I understand you want to be aggressive and maybe try to get points, but at the time I was also thinking, man, you could run the ball twice here, get it down to 12 seconds and punt. Or even if uh, Winnipeg calls a timeout, you're punting with 30 seconds left. And then the, the most damage Winnipeg's probably going to do is is a field goal. I, instead, the worst case uh, scenario happened: the interception, short field for Winnipeg, and they get a touchdown. I mean, was that the right time for the Eskimos to be aggressive, or was that a time to to get out of the half and escape, hopefully down just seven? You know, Reed, I I, uh, I have a real difficult time with with the questioning uh, calls that are made by coaching staff because I don't 
I don't know the situation or the reasoning for why they would call something like that. I mean, you make a good argument for the things of run, you know, for your statements about running the ball and making sure the clock is down. But I don't think the Eskimos have played that way all year. They've been an aggressive team, and they're going to try to get the ball down the field so that they can kick a field goal going into half. They have some 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 breathing room. Uh, I think a big part of that was uh, Mike Riley did not have. That was the worst half of football Mike Riley's played this year. The first half was phenomenal in the second half, but that first half uh, he didn't do. He didn't have a great half, and he, and I think he just it was at a point where he was pressing to make something happen to give a spark for his team. And it was a bad choice. That was a, uh, he could have easily thrown the ball out of bounds. He could have easily you know, uh, dumped it into the ground, but he was trying to make a play. And, uh, frankly, I, I want a guy in my, in my huddle that's trying to make a play all the time. Um, the amount of times that he's made that mistake this year, you can count on you know, one or two fingers. Um, it, it's very, as I said, very difficult for me to question the, uh, the, the, the play call or, or, or the, uh, the reaction by, uh, by the quarterback because... I'm not, I'm, again, not understanding their situation or what they're talking about. Well, Blake, I, I think the key for that, and, and if we want to talk philosophy or game planning in general, is that the Eskimos have been aggressive all year. And, and you're right, they've actually been very good coming deep out of their own end, and a lot of times they've had some long touchdown drives. You know, they had a drive last night that they got out deep out of their own end. And I think that's a good point. And, and you probably know that if you put on your ex-player's hat, that you want a coach who's consistent. If all if all week you work on drives starting deep in your own hand with not a lot on the clock, you want to execute that in the game. And even when I, I asked Jason Moss about two point converts about a month ago, because I you know there's guys that always say why don't they go for two? Why don't they go for two? And Jason's answer was. I go for one until I have to go for two. So then the guys on the bench know that's philosophy. You know, if they're in that situation, they're not scrambling around waiting for the coach to decide on the spur of the moment. So I think you make it, and I I imagine the players want that comfort where it's like, okay, this is what we do, and now it's up to us to execute it. Well, this is, they've said all along, the the belief in that locker room and the belief in that huddle is in, in, in each other and what their abilities are and how many times they've come from behind and, you know, with Mike Riley having four game-winning drives, you know, coming from behind this year, there is a ton of confidence when they're when they're you know uh, neck deep in it, and they everybody else thinks, well, it's over. They're they're not going to have any success. And the Eskimos have been able to show and uh, show each other and show the fans and show the league that they can. So it doesn't surprise me that Riley took a shot like that. It just it just in that situation, it may not have been the right guy to take the shot too. You know, it, it was just choice. Um, but, you know, you, you made a point a few minutes ago, and I, I really want to address this. You know, I, I, I absolutely hate that statement, well, you can't use ex- uh, uh, injuries as an excuse, because, come on, folks, <laughs> the reality <laughs> is when you are down in some of your positions to your fourth-string guy, you know, I can see that being the case if you've got one or two guys out. If you're Winnipeg with four guys, four guys on the uh, six-man uh, roster, yeah, it's difficult to use that as an excuse. But when you've got... Four linebackers on the six man, uh, the six week uh, um, injured list. Uh, like, how can you not use uh, that as an excuse? The, the whole thing about professional football is, is that, is that you have to get past those excuses. Okay, I mean they're there, but but in order, you know, you, you're still up, paid to go out there and play and win. And it's a responsibility of the management and the coaches to put the best uh, team on the field. But at some point, when you start to see that kind of uh, decimation in your locker room. It gets really difficult to put a, a, a decent competitive team. Now the Eskimos proved that they were competitive, 
But when you've got that many changes early in the game, there's a whole bunch of guys running around probably didn't know the names of the guys that they're playing beside. <laughs> and that right. makes it difficult to win. Uh, fair enough. I, 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 you know, and maybe that's the broadcaster and me talking because I feel like if I come on air and just say, well, they're injured, then I, I, I don't have a two-hour show. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you're you're right. But I think we we're coming at it from different angles. And I look at it too. The, the guys you dress still have to execute, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there were, I mean, Hazelton dropped a ball before he got hurt. He's not an injury replacement. Getzlaff had a drop. Woodman dropped an interception. Well, he picked off one earlier in the season. So, I mean, that's where I'm coming from too. That even the guys in the lineup, there were plays there to be made that could have swung the game. Well, you don't read again, though, when you look at uh, are, are they starters, um, with, with the exception of Hazelton, who's done such a fine job this year, are all of those guys starters or well, all those no, guys not number all one group? Yeah. And there's a reason why there's a, there's a number one group and there's a reason why there's a second level group. I mean, you, you hope to be able to get production and, and you hope to be able to get guys to, uh, that can play and do the things that you ask them to do, but there's a reason why they're not the number one guy. And, and you know, you, you mentioned everybody that, uh, that there was issues with. Um, but you also had, you know, again, your kicker missed a field goal and a convert. And this now becomes a three-point game. So, again, not your number one guy. Um, so so there's, there's, there's reasons why that happened. You know, the, it, the, I guess the, uh, the ultimate thing is that the Eskimos lost their first game of the season. They've lost one game. And they are seven and one, and the sun came up today, and they're still in first place. Right. And uh, um, but the, tr- the the trouble is, you lose another game, or maybe two games, you're seven and three, and you still got a decent record. You could be down to third third place or fourth place. Yeah. So it's just it's that tight. This is not a this is not a conference right now where you can even take a, a day off. And you'd think that after you know the best start since 1961. And you lose one or two games, and you're not only out of first place, but you could be as far down as third place. That's that's tough, you know. And and you, you just you, you just wish that the eastern teams would start beating some of the western teams. Yeah, well, the the the, the west is incredible. I, I'm just gonna. I, I know I got to let you go. Uh, this texter just said he goes. There should be a stat for yards after missed tackle. That'd be interesting to look at for defenses to look <laughs> after. <a game>. Yeah, <laughs> I like I, that idea. Last night, the statistician would have uh, uh, got the carpal tunnel from writing stuff down, I think. <laughs> Blake, it's always uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm glad you continue to feel better, and uh, we'll talk again next week, man. Thank you so much for Thanks, your time. Reed. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. All right. Always great to have Blake Durbin on the show, former Eskimo, of course, now our uh, in-game analyst here for the Eskimos broadcast on 630 Chat. Always love uh, talking with Blake. Uh, Blake, he's got a great perspective on things, and I, I think he's a fair question. You know, how much uh, do you just say from last night, well, you know, injuries were uh, were a huge issue, you know, like Blake, or you're a little more like me, where you say, okay, there are injuries, but I still look at the execution of the guys who are in there. You can text 630-630 anytime you want. You can call 780-496-0063, the email sports at 630chat.com. All right, we're going to take a uh, quick timeout. We're coming back. Ryan is a 
Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. So the Eskimos have their first loss of the season. Can Hamilton get its first win? They're leading Ottawa 10-9 with eight minutes left in the second quarter. Thanks for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Uh, this texture says another factor rarely mentioned how many games the Eskimos have started slow and fallen behind only to come back and win by a squeaker. Fair point. I, I think there was more discussion around that earlier uh, in the season. Uh, I believe coming going into last night's game, they'd scored a touchdown on their first drive in three straight games. But uh, yeah, they were they were overwhelmed in the first half last night, no doubt about it. Marfis says, uh, I think that if Edmonton's tackling wasn't so bad last night, Winnipeg would have lost their momentum or never had it to begin with. I believe it was a major factor in the Eskimos' loss for overall. They did not play a bad game. That is a text from Marfis uh, and uh, Amritz... And I'm sorry, I'm not sure what you're using as your handle here, but uh, this texture says injuries were a big factor. The Eskimos also had four too many men penalties. Yeah, and, and Blake referenced that, and I think that was a combination of, uh, you know, guys who haven't played a lot being in the lineup. And, uh, you know, a- a Winnipeg executed well. I mean, they ran that tempo offense. They got the plays off when they wanted. Nickel got the uh, ball away when he wanted, and I think they got the Eskimo defense a little tired that makes you tired mentally as well and that can lead to things like substitution problems for sure okay you can keep texting 630 630 we're gonna catch up with uh, Jay Onright back on uh, TSN what is it coming up on Labor Day I believe he's moved to Toronto now back in Canada from California he's next on the show This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program a gentleman I guess I now will refer to as almost employed. It's the one and only Jay Onright. Jay, welcome back to Inside Sports. I should point out I haven't signed my contract yet, so there's still plenty of time for me to uh, show up, Chad, and uh, be your co-host on the regular this year. Uh, take a lot of calls about uh, uh, why are we paying dry side all that much money. Uh, how many calls have you received uh, regarding that information uh, thus far, Reed? Uh, well, we, we talked about it a lot on uh, on Wednesday, obviously. I, I think most people are, are fine with what Leon Dreisaitl's being being paid, Jay. He's a good player. He's a good player. I we should recognize that. I, I love the move. I, I, in general, maybe I become uh, older or, or less concerned about what my team uh, pays its players, but I'm just uh, excited that you got this guy locked up for eight years. It's incredible. Um, I, I feel like the Twitter universe is, is doing the old, oh, they're taking up too much of our cap. Oh, they're taking, oh, they never worked in Pittsburgh and Chicago. Yeah, it did. It did work there. So be quiet. Anyway, sorry, I got a little carried away. Yeah, well, Twitter is uh, tw- Twitter's a hive of negativity. That's that's what I've I found. By the way, why I, is that? Why is that? I think it's just easy. Like it's it's how easy is it just to just to be angry about something and be like, well, I'm going to tweet it, and that'll show everybody. You know. I think I also it's like if you were in a in a in a bar even in a place where people tend to get you know. Uh, a, a little, uh, a little loose-lipped. Um, I feel like the, there's a more of a, a polite recourse in a bar than there is on Twitter, simply because you're sitting in front of other human beings. 
and 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 not on your phone you know where, where there's no there's no consequence to what you say uh, you know into your machine and your 140 characters I don't know. It just—it's really gotten uh, to be a real bummer. A uh, Marshall Ferguson, a terrific uh, young play-by-play guy for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, today said he was going to stop uh, doing CFL stats because there was so much negativity about his uh, commentary. I thought, Jesus, boy, he's just getting started in the business. He's being. He's being browbeaten into yeah, but, giving up already. It's terrible. But here's the thing. We're having a partially, partially joking, partially serious discussion. The, the thing about Twitter is I no longer use it, Jay, as a place. And you're, you're probably going to disagree with me, but I no longer use it as a place to interact with people. I generally write something. I, my Twitter, as you know, is almost entirely work-related. If I got information or something I want to put out there, I'm like, fine, it's it's out there. I'm not going to reply to every single angry person uh, about something I wrote. So that that's how that's how I uh, now use it. Now you have over half a million followers, and I know you interact with each of them on a daily basis. So I guess you're a little different that way. Well, I like to, and that's my problem. I just like people too much. Whereas you are a misanthrope by nature. Yes, so that's true. I, you know, I I want people to like me. And on Twitter, that's a very, very bad thing. No, I, I think you need to. Uh, I think that's actually very a very good way of using it, especially in our business. And I think uh, you should probably contact Marshall Ferguson and tell him uh, that that's what he should be doing. Just uh, just get that information out there, and people can uh, do with it uh, what they want. Yeah, I really should mentor more fellow broadcasters. I'm sure they're all screaming out for that. Speaking of Twitter, uh, you have an interesting profile picture that if you have it up on your phone. You're like, okay, yeah, Jay's got a new profile picture. And then if you actually look at it or have it up on Mm -hmm. a a desktop, Mm -hmm. as I do now, it's not you. Who is this guy masquerading as Jay Onright? That is me. Um, That is not. That can't be you. A lot of your listeners are probably pretty big fans of uh, a little hit television show called The Bachelorette. Yes, yes. (laughs) Huge show. Hugely popular. Um, Well, there's there's a, a contestant on... The Bachelorette this year, whose nickname was the Tickle Monster, and uh, a lot of people were like, "Oh, that uh, that guy who claims to you know his his move with the ladies is that he, he claims he's the Tickle Monster, uh, which sounds like something that could get him arrested." Uh, people said, uh, "You know what, uh, Jay? That looks an awful lot like you." Well, that's because, and I'm here to tell you exclusively on Inside Sports, that's because it was me. I am the Tickle Monster. I did appear on The Bachelor at this season. I did not do well. All right, Jay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I'm glad you told me that because I am not a Bachelorette watcher. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised you are, but good for you. You will be happy to know, though, I am now a Game of Thrones watcher. Finally, you've been telling me for years i got to start watching it. Yes, and what do you think so far? You're just on season one. I'm still on season one, eight episodes in. I love it. It's uh, full of intrigue. I'm, and here's the thing. I'm not quite sure who to like. Uh, you know, I thought, okay, this person's going to be the hero. This is going to be the guy I follow. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm kind of starting to like this person. And then this this person that I thought maybe were a little creepy at first. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a great way to describe it. And, and as the show continues, uh, those sort of like questions and root or become even even more apparent how about award winner what a performance just a career making performance as Tyrion Lannister just terrific what an actor 
Well, is it now? Are you are you up to date on it? Because I'm hearing there's been a lot of uh, thrills and spill. What is this? The seventh season now? Yes, I believe we're on season seven. This is the second last season. And uh, interesting fact about Game of Thrones that many people know. Um, you know, when you when people are watching it, when it kind of, I guess, in real time, is that how you say it? You're watching it in real time. Um, it, it was it was following the books that uh, George R. R. Martin wrote and George R. R. Martin. And um, and so pe- there were certain people who had read the books ahead of time and certain people like myself who had not. And I have to give everyone credit who read the books ahead of time. No one had spoiled, spoiled the show for me. And, man, you, you really could spoil the show for someone. So, so that was interesting. But now when the, we're at the point of the television show that we've gone beyond the books. So now everyone's sort of in the same boat that they don't know what's coming. It's very, uh, it's very fascinating. But yeah, we're on the second last season here. So, man, I, it's, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life when that show goes away. I'm probably going to have to start watching reruns of the Beachcomber or something. <laughs> who's your Who's your favorite Beachcomber? Oh, for sure, everyone loved Relic. But uh, honorable mention to uh, to Molly of uh, Molly's Beach. I just seemed to really hold down that diner in a really special and Western Canadian way. <laughs> I love that you've put that much thought into it. Hey, uh, every Friday at the end of Inside Sports, so later on tonight, and I know I know you're probably going to listen at home uh, after we're done here. We play I will the. Not do that. Go on. Oh, oh, thanks, buddy. We every Friday night we play the uh, theme song for the Littlest Hobo. Um, yes which I used to watch as a kid, and I would force my dad to watch with me, and he thought it was a terrible show. And I can see that for an adult, it probably wasn't that interesting. Were you a hobo viewer? Yeah. Well, not only was I a hobo viewer, but uh, when Dan and I did the original incarnation of SportsCenter uh, all those years ago, we would often uh, have, uh, have, uh, we would often be interrupted by the opening credits to The Littlest Hobo. Uh, for two reasons, I too loved the show as a kid, and just loved the concept of a dog traveling all over the country, solving crimes, uh, helping families come back together who are perhaps estranged, and then moving on to another town, all the while completely well fed and seemingly not impregnating any other dogs in town. Uh, love the show, still love the show, and we plan to make it a big part of our new show as well. So I'm a hundred percent with you on the hobo, and. Can't quite understand why, uh, in in the vein of uh, 21 Jump Street or Starsky and Hutch or any of these other classic shows that have been made into movies, can't quite understand why there has not been a littlest hobo movie made. And the only reason I can think of is that uh, the dogs are all dead. Oh, my goodness. But but you raise a good point with, that there's the perfect opportunity just to have sequels and just say, oh, it's the original one's kid. He had like 40 pups. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true because there's no way that dog did not impregnate some other dogs along the way on his travels and in his, in his adventures. So he's probably got a, a ton of wonderful, uh, much like Game of Thrones, many bastards running around uh, the country. <laughs> Uh, so, so I think it's uh, you're right. There's endless potential for maybe a movie, maybe a spin-off series, 
the possibilities really are endless. But yes, I, I share your love of the hobo in an immense way. <laughs> That's great. All right, uh, Jay. Before we let you go, it's you know it's great you're coming back on uh, on TSN on Canadian television. I know you're getting settled in in Toronto. Uh, we talked this afternoon. I, I believe you got your cable hooked up, or maybe the guy is still. So, are you going for the two channel package, or are you splurging on the four channel package? That's going to include ITV. Uh, I definitely want ITV, I want uh, CFRN, I want CBC Edmonton, and then, of course, I want Access. So I want, uh, that's the four, right? Is that what it goes Yeah, that's the, the big four. Yeah, that's the big yeah, four. Yeah, so I want the four. Um, I want to be able to, to watch uh, Alec Moyer on CBC Edmonton. Uh, I want to be able to see Gord Miller do my local sports. Uh, I want uh, Tim Spellacy reporting on my City Hall stuff. And then, uh, of course, I want Doug Maine anchoring the news on CFRN uh, before he heads off into a political career. So, yeah, I'm getting the four-channel package 100%, and uh, I could not be happier. And uh, bring on the Pizza 73 commercials. <laughs> in all seriousness, how many channels did you grow up with in Athabasca? Because I got two in Evansburg. We got CBC and CFRN. And then to get ITV to watch the Oilers games, we had a thing called a rotor tiller that would spin our aerial so we could get the ITV sync signal. But then you couldn't get CBC and CFRN. So we either got two <laughs> channels or one channel. <laughs> I did not have to work quite that hard. I, I got CBC like everyone did, and it was crystal clear. I got ITV and CFRN all the time, but they were quite fuzzy. They were they were uh, they were rich with snow, if if that's a way to describe it. Um, so I did get them full time, but they were not clear uh, at all. So those those wonderful uh, Rocket Robin Hood and that, that old Spider Man cartoon, those cartoons did not come in clear at all for me. But still, I watched them religiously. <laughs> Jay, well, a lot of people are going to be watching you and Dan religiously. It's always a blast having you on the show. Glad to hear you're getting settled in in Toronto. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Eskimos. We'll get to that next time, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Reed. And, uh, you know, there's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road. That's where I'll always be. Uh, every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long. Just turn around and I'm gone again. You know, maybe tomorrow, Reed. Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. But until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. 8 a.m. Sunday morning. I will be running the Edmonton Half Marathon. And by that, I mean hopefully running all of it. We'll see. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. That was wonderful having Jay Onright on the show. Uh, 12-10, Ottawa leading Hamilton late in the first half in Hamilton. Tiger Cats looking for their first win of the season. Ottawa not much better but they are better 1-6-1 and one on the season. So uh, we had Jay Onright on the show. We uh, were talking about, well, we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay and I rarely talk about sports. And, and the, I, here's, the, here's the thing. Jay is a very popular uh, sports broadcaster who I, I think is mostly popular because 
people remember all the stuff he does that ne- isn't necessarily sports-related. He, he, he and Dan O'Toole are going to be back on TSN. I think their first uh, show is Labor Day. That was the plan. I don't really think Jay knows what's happening, to be honest with you. I think he's just going to show up that day and, and see what they tell him to do. But that's fine. We uh, touched on uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I'll get, ba- I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, a little bit about Game of Thrones. A little bit about uh, watching uh, Northern Alberta television growing up in the 1980s. Bo, he pulled out some. He, Doug Main, I forgot about that. Y'all remember Doug Main? I sounded like Chris Jones for a second there. Y'all remember Doug Main? He was a defensive back I had in high school. Uh, Doug Main, uh, we had a news anchor, and then he went into politics. I don't remember who he ran for, but yeah, he went into, pol- I think, provincial politics. Uh so anyway, uh, on my, though this is crazy, Kellen Kennedy's our studio producer on the other side of the window. Hey, so I, I tweeted out earlier today, uh, which and, and this is this is hilarious. We were talking about the the the, neg- the negativity on social media. It can be pretty fun. This poll I put out in the last uh, few hours has over one thousand votes. I, I was surprised when it got to a hundred. Which 1980s Canadian television show most deserves a feature film? The leader right now at 49% is Littlest Hobo. Beachcomber is 34%, Street Legal at 9%, and The Deanie Petty Show at 8%. (laughs) I'm going to bring in Derek on the phone line first. I want to get to something else. Uh, quickly here, Derek, so just hang on. 780-496-0063. Do have open line time here if anybody wants to chat really about anything. Uh, so Jay and I were talking about Twitter, and, and Jay commented on, on some of the negative Twitter reaction he saw to Leon Dreisaitl's new contract, $68 million over eight years. I, I feel like the Twitter universe is, is doing the old, oh, they're taking up too much of our cap. Oh, they're taking, oh they never worked in Pittsburgh and Chicago. Yeah, it did. Jay also said, and I, I have talked about this before, about a divide, somewhat of an age divide in how people talk about their sports and their favorite team and their favorite players. Jay said as he, got, as he has gotten older, he doesn't care so much how much the players are paid. It's just he's just like just have the best players you can on the team, and and if you win, it doesn't really matter. And uh, and maybe that's somewhat uh, somewhat. I mean, my my dad is in his seventies. I consider him a pretty average sports fan. I mean, he loves the Oilers, loves the Eskimos. Uh, he probably couldn't tell you what a single player on the team makes, but he could probably give you a pretty fair scouting report and an assessment of their abilities. I think we got another call coming in here, Kellen. We got Derek on line one to start it off, though. Hello, Derek. Hey, it's Darren Reed. Oh, Darren, my mistake. Sorry. Hey, Reed. You know why I'm calling? No. To tell you, uh, you were right and I was wrong about uh, Drysdale. About Leon Drysdale, I, uh, Darren. I honestly don't remember what that was because I got a yeah, lot of yeah. people telling me I'm no. going to be wrong. <laughs> Everyone was laughing at me. I said 4.5 to five, and they'll get bonuses. Remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, I do remember uh, that. Yeah, yep. yeah. You know me. Listen, Reed. I'm going to tell you straight up. We don't agree with a lot of things, but I'll tell you something. I love your show. You do a fantastic job. I listen to you every day, and you know what? I'm old school. I go back to John Short. I, I, I phoned Brian Hall twice, okay? I'm just going to tell you, twice. And Mr. Halsey hung up on me both times, man. Straight up. But I love your show. Was that like so in, anyway, the, I, in the 70s when you called Halsey? 
Two times. Okay. Well, two times. And well, he hung up on me both times. Well, I do appreciate you listening, and, and thank you for saying that. And, and the best part of the show is talking to other people who uh, who like sports. So thanks a lot for tuning in. No, Reed, seriously, you do a good job. And, I, you know, you're a little younger than me, but you know what? I love listening to your show again. And uh, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to disagree with you with, with a lot, but you know what? I'll keep calling, and I'll keep giving you my, you know, my side, and I take your side. And anyway, keep up the good work, brother. All right. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And we also have Terry on the line tonight. Terry, what's going on? Hey, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I just want to add a little comment about the Little Tobo. Please, go ahead. When I was watching it way back when, I can't even... Uh, I was watching a rerun, and did you know Mike Myers was on the Little Tobo? Oh, no way. Like, he must yeah. have been a kid. Yeah, I, I, he's wearing. I think I want to say he was probably about sixteen or seventeen years old. He's wearing this uh, sweet set of a sweet pair of tennis shorts, and uh, he's like an extra. He was part of the part of the part of the storyline, and the, the hobo would come in to save the day, and he was playing frisbee with his dog. Anyway, it's kind of comical. So if you get a chance, Google it because you can find footage of Mike Myers on The Littlest Hobo. Oh, that's incredible. Well, it's amazing how, you know, when I mention shows like that, how many people respond. And, and it is sort of a generational thing. And like Jay and I were joking about, if you lived in a rural area, you know, in the 80s or 70s or whenever, when I was a kid, like you only, you didn't have a lot of options. So everybody watched the same shows no matter what, right? You're absolutely right. I think we had our three channels if we were lucky and you had to go up and actually my dad had to climb up onto the roof of the house to adjust the antenna to maybe get that third channel occasionally. So yeah, I can completely and utterly relate. Terry, thanks for calling. Have a great weekend. 780-496-0063. We got uh, more time for Open Line coming up uh, after 7. This is going to be fun. We actually have a monster truck driver on the show tonight. And uh, we'll preview the Edmonton Marathon with John Stanton, great Edmontonian, the founder of uh, The Running Room, and, of course, more Eskimos and Oilers talk after the break. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.